Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church. It's such an honor to have you joining us for our last week of Chasing Carrots. It's been an awesome series, have learned a ton of helpful things in the process, and today we're going to kind of wrap everything up as we talk about the endless pursuit of comfort. And, and here's what I know about you Uh, Because it's true of me, and I think it's true of most of us, if not all of us. All of us have a desired life, a a, a preferred future that we are consistently working toward and looking toward, and it's connected to two things, that preferred future. All of us are working toward a life that is full of a little more ease and a little more comfort. You and I are moving forward. We are working hard in order to not not move into more pain, not move into more struggle, not move into more stress, not move into more financially tight budgets. We're all looking to take a little bit of that pressure and that stress off. We are looking to living our best life, if you will. And and we have this, this chase inside of us of comfort. And And for the record, comfort in and of itself is not bad, Uh, but today we're going to talk about how comfort has the ability to distract and take away from maybe some internal things that you and I are choosing to ignore. So let me give you a definition um, of comfort, a phrase, if you will, that that I just want you to look and see if you can find yourself in this phrase as you and I read it. It's going to be this definition of comfort. If I can just maintain physical ease, think about it, if I can just maintain a little bit of physical ease or relaxation, if I can just be laid back and chill for a minute, if I can just keep from stress or responsibility and experience some, right, just some pleasure and enjoyment, then my life will be more fulfilling. Then my life will be a little easier, a little more fun a little more thrilling. You and I, we have this chase, this idea in our mind that, that when we attain these things, in whatever category, all of us have different pursuits and different desires and different ways that we rest and unplug. And so when we pr- pursue comfort in some form related to this definition, the idea is that that's the thing that we need to take the pressure off and, and, and to have our better life. But here's what I know about this, and here's what you know about this as you think about it, is you and I get our hands on these things, whatever X is, you fill in the blank, and, and it maybe gives us a little bit of comfort in the moment, a little bit of, of relief in the moment, but then it just happens over and over again. We have to keep going back to the same things. It's why when you save up and you, and you go on a vacation and you really need this vacation because you've been working so hard, and you go on your vacation and you have an awesome time on your vacation, and then you get back and you're exhausted from your vacation, and you need a vacation from your vacation, and you go back to work and you're exhausted from work because you didn't get your vacation from your vacation, and so then you plan your next vacation because you still need your vacation from your vacation that you took from your vacation. Does that make sense? Right? We have this constant pursuit of more, and we're just thinking, man, if I can just get a little bit more of whatever, it's going to take that pressure off, and I'm finally going to have 
peace. I'm finally going to have comfort. And here's what you and I know about comfort. For comfort, the end goal is actually peace. That's what we're looking for, right? We go to things in comfort. We go to people in comfort. We go to places in comfort. We have the pursuit of comfort because we're looking for peace. And so it might not be a vacation for you, right? It might be, man, I just need a few more drinks to take the edge off. I just need a few more hits to kind of relieve the pressure. I just need a few more cups of coffee, a few more milligrams of caffeine in my blood system. I need a few more minutes of sleeping in and a few more snoozes. I just need a few more bites, a few more snacks, a few more helpings of whatever. I need one more sweet. I need this. I need that. We have all these things, whether it's related to consumption or activity or it's binge watching Netflix so we can dump our minds or, or it's, it's disappearing into the... Uh, abyss of night, scrolling your phone on Instagram at pointless things that are never going to make your life better and only fill your mind with how awesome everybody else's life is and how much more comfort you need and how much you're lacking. Sorry, a little bit of a rabbit trail, right? You see where this thing goes, right? I mean, I mean, we constantly have this tension and this pursuit of more. And then think about it, COVID, guys, COVID has elevated this and, and, and accelerated it to a really unhealthy level. Think back to when COVID hit and think about just the, the nature of your home, maybe your own mental health, um, uh, the nature of our nation, the nature of our world, the pressure that's entered, the isolation, the loneliness, the depression, the loss of security, the loss of loved ones, the fear that has set in as a result of everything related to COVID. And what happens? What do we do when we experience all of those things? We look for comfort. We look for escape. We look for distraction. We're looking for an out to get away from those things. And so when it comes to this conversation of chasing carrots, the idea is it's always just a little bit further out there. If I could just get whatever that is, then maybe I'll be fulfilled. But, but you and I know this, that you and I get our hands on those things, and then they end up leaving us dry again. And so, so here's the question. What do we do? What do we do when it comes to this conversation, when we keep chasing carrots and, and they just don't, don't, don't seem to fulfill? Let me introduce you to a guy named John. There's a guy named John. Um, who is one of Jesus' closest followers. He, he's possibly Jesus' best friend when he was here on the planet. And, and so for John, man, he saw it all. He heard it all. He wrestled with it all. And, and for John, man, he, he, he was with Jesus, and he would hear him talk, and he would watch him engage. And, and for John, um, he would hear over and over again Jesus talk and demonstrate peace. Right, and for, just in case you didn't know, the word peace, it is mentioned 91 times in the New Testament. And, and specifically, it's mentioned 24 times just in the stories of the life of Jesus. And, and if you were to ask John, you say, John, hey, tell, tell us about what you saw when it came to like the conversations of comfort and peace around Jesus. John would tell us, man, you know, for Jesus, it wasn't just a word. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't like a feeling for him. It wasn't dependent on his circumstances. Somehow it was like, a part of, of, of his being. It was like a part of his identity. Like it wasn't connected to his circumstances, but for Jesus, it seemed like it was constantly connected to his relationship with God. That he, he could have peace even when his circumstances weren't, weren't comfortable. And then, you know, for, for John, I, I think he had all these moments with Jesus that he gets to reflect on. And as he looks back on his life, and as, he, as he's a follower of Jesus, he can look back and, and recall moments of, of Jesus demonstrating this idea. And, and what's amazing is if you and I ask John, you say, hey, tell us about one of the moments that really stood out. And for John, he would say, you know what, one time, me and, and the other guys with Jesus, we were, um, we were in a boat, and we were going across the Sea of Galilee, and right, we were all fishermen, and we did this like on a normal basis, right? So we're really like 
confident. Jesus is uh, asleep in the boat. He had a really long day, and he's taking a nap, and, and we're all just, just cruising across the sea, and it's a pretty normal gig. And out of nowhere, this huge storm rolls in. And the wind is just crushing us, and the waves are huge. And normally, we're pretty, I mean, I mean we, we know how to navigate the waters, but man, I mean, this thing had us shook. It had us scared for our lives to the point where we're like, man, we're not going to make it out of this alive. We're all going to die. And so we run to Jesus. We shake him. We have to literally wake him up because he is sleeping in the middle of a storm. And it's like Jesus kind of gets up, yawns, and stretches a little bit, looks around, and they're like, Jesus, we're about to die. Like, can you do anything? And Jesus tells the wind and the waves to be quiet. And then he looks at John and, and the other guys there, and he said, why are you afraid? And I think John and the other guys, they kind of stood there dumbfounded, and they said, well, other than, you know, the need to change our pants right now, like, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good now, right? And, and they just stood there like, how is it possible that, that Jesus had this, this peace despite his circumstances, and they just couldn't wrap their minds around the peace that Jesus had? And then words like these, I think, would echo in the mind of John in John 14, 27. He would remember Jesus saying stuff like this, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. I think, I think that word would sit heavy on John's mind. Not like the world gives. Not like around Christmas time. Not, not, not the, the, the good vibes and, and the, the Netflix binges and the substance abuse. And, no, 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 no. Not like the world gives do I give to you this peace. And then later, I think John would pin these words in 1 John 2. He would remember that, and he would, he would tell the early church, hey, guys, for, for all that is in the world, you're thinking to the same conversation that Jesus was having, all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the, the desires of the eyes, that, that pride of life, he said all of those things, they're, they're not from the Father. And notice the, the term of endearment, the intimacy here, right? For John, he understands God as a good dad who loves us, who loves to give good gifts to his kids. And so for John, he's saying, man, everything that the world is telling you to find comfort in, it's not from the Father, but, but it's from the world. And, it, and it, it just keeps ending up short. The world is passing away along with, his, with, with its desires. John, John's reminding us, hey, guys, it's a warning. Everything the world has to offer, it, it just it doesn't work. It, it doesn't fulfill. It doesn't, it doesn't fill us like we think it will. And, and listen, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus as you're tuning in, and, and maybe you don't agree theologically because, you know, at, at, Pretty soon, John's going to point us to Jesus, right? John's going to say, hey, the world doesn't have what you need, but Jesus absolutely does. And, and so for you, maybe you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know if Jesus really is the answer or not, but here's what you and I can at least agree on is that you and I can pursue a lot of things that don't give us what we're looking for. And, and uh, I, I recently saw Jim Carrey. Uh, he, he, there was a quote by Jim Carrey that said that he hopes, Jim Carrey said, I hope that everyone on the planet gets the chance to be rich and famous and, and, and have everything that I have just so that they can realize that those things will not make them happy. Guys, the challenge with comfort, the challenge with the pursuit is not that th the things that we chase are bad things in and of themselves. The challenge is in this chase, there's an effort that you and I are putting forward to let our hearts find their true fulfillment, to find their true happiness, to find contentment, to find meaning and identity and purpose and security. We're looking to let our, our hearts 
find all of those things in anything but God. We pursue all of these things looking for peace. And when you and I let anything other than God be the center of our heart's desire and our heart's affection and our heart's pursuit, when we, when we elevate and chase anything over our relationship with God, not only does that put us at, at, a, at a disconnect relationally with God, which is one of the, the, the root issues when it comes to our relationship with God, but then we try to fill those gaps, this brokenness, with anything other than Jesus. And Jeremiah, uh, one of the Old Testament prophets, he said it's like this. He said it's like, it's like trying to drink water out of a broken vessel, like a, a, a broken water pot. Right? It's got all these cracks in it, and you fill it up with water, and it looks like it's going to be fulfilling, but by the time you get it up to your lips, it's empty, and all the water has run out, and, and it doesn't satisfy he says, all the things that we pursue, all the things that are in front of us that we look to to find fulfillment and to relieve anxiety and to relieve the pressure. He said, man, they just don't do it. And here's the kicker, guys. Here's the challenge. Is most of these things that we pursue, they're good things, right? right? There's nothing wrong with the comfort and the ease that you and I pursue. This is not a message about getting rid of all of the nice things that you have in your life. Most of them are good things. The problem is when we let a good thing become a God thing. That's when it, we, our hearts get in trouble. Our hearts were made to find their home in God. And when we let something else sit on the, the throne of our hearts, if you will, when we take a good thing and we let it become a God thing, that's when it becomes a bad thing. And, and you've seen this over and over again, right? Think about it. You take a relationship. It can be a really, really good thing. And then that, that relationship gets elevated to a God thing. So it's not God that's going to meet all my needs, but rather you're the functional God of my life and it's your job to meet all of my needs. The problem is there's not a person on the planet that can meet all of your needs. And they're going to crumble under the weight and the pressure of you trying to get them to be God in your life. And it turns into a very unhealthy, dysfunctional, bad thing. Over and over again, we could run this scenario of everything that you and I pursue, everything that you and I try to fill that gap with. So I want you to, to reflect on it for just a moment. John is extending a warning here that, that Jesus is the answer, but you and I have a tendency, a, a drifting of our hearts to fill our hearts with other things. And so then he, he gives us the, the problem, if you will. And, and, and I'm going to give you two conversations, two, two thoughts on the chase of comfort from John that we're going to look at here in just a second. And the first one is this, that it... It reveals spiritual emptiness. For John, what he's going to help us understand is as you and I chase comfort externally, it's actually an indicator of some spiritual emptiness internally. Look at this in verse 15 of the passage we just looked at. John says, hey guys, don't, don't love the world and, and that pursuit of everything externally. Again, they're not bad things, but don't elevate them to God things. Don't love the world or the things in the world, the system, the value system of the world to fill that gap in that hole. And then John tells us, this is really cool, as Jesus' best friend and also one of Jesus' followers, he, sa he says, hey, if anyone loves the world, it, if you're just spinning your wheels, chasing comfort on anything and everything that you can get your hands on out here, he says, the love of the Father is not in that person. The love of the Father is not in him or her. 
And when I read that for the first time, I'm kind of offended because it sounds like, like John's saying, if, if you pursue comfort, you don't love God. And that's not what he's saying at all. But at first I'm like, whoa, dude, chill out. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you and I are spinning our wheels, if you have this proclivity to constantly try to fill the gaps in your life, to take off the edge, to take off the anxiety, if you're constantly filling your life with comfort, it might be pointing to an issue that there's an emptiness in here, right? That, 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 John is telling us that there's an aspect of God's love that's so incredible that it'll, it'll fill every gap that you and I have. And so maybe if you and I are constantly pursuing it externally, that there's an aspect of God's love that we have not allowed to penetrate our hearts. And, and John's point is this. The love of God is truly so amazing that it gives peace that passes understanding. That's what Jesus invites us into. There's peace that's greater than our circumstances. There's peace that's greater than any pleasure or any pursuit that we can find on this planet. I was having a conversation with my friend Charlie earlier this week, and we were talking about uh, how cognitively we can know this reality. We can know that Jesus offers everything that, that we need and that we are still prone to try to find it in every other way. We can know that our relationship with God is the, the greatest priority and the greatest gift. And ironically, when we spend time with God, it's our best days and we're our best selves and we're our best husbands and fathers and, and employees. We're, we're our best in every way. But then there's still this proclivity to, to drift away from that. Let me flip this conversation. Let me ask, you a, ask the question in a different way. What would it look like? What, what would it look like if we did indeed allow the love of the Father to, to get inside of us? If we let the love of the Father get inside of us for the poor, if we let the love of the Father get inside of us for the lost, if we let the love of the Father get inside of us for the broken, what happens when you and I let the love of the Father get inside of us? You know what it drives us to? This is so funny. When we let the love of the Father get inside of us, for those types of things in the world, for the, for the peoples that need our help and, and to love and to serve those around us, we actually sacrifice comfort for the opportunity to serve others. We, we actually choose not to live easy. We don't pursue comfort because there's greater joy found in sacrificing comfort for the opportunity to love and serve others. That's because we have the opportunity to reflect the heart of God. In the same way... Uh, um, Paul reiterates this conversation, and he tells us in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 14, he says, for the love of Christ, it, it controls us. He's saying, man, when you let the love of God get inside of you, man, he says it controls you because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, that's Jesus, therefore all have died. Our old lives don't exist anymore, or rather our old selves are dead, and he died for all, that those who live, those who put their faith in him, those who put their trust in him, those who choose to follow him, they might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. He said, man, when you let the love of God really get inside of you, it's, it's no longer about you and your comfort, but it's actually the love of God that controls you and motivates you to love and to serve and to live in a way that is sacrificial and generous. And guys, that's why for the last couple of, uh, of days, our church has been fasting and we're giving up things that we love. Why? Because there's a, a greater love that we're pursuing, a love for God and a love for others. We're seeking God and his heart for us and our families and our friends and our city. It's why as a church, we're elevating the conversation for Christmas Eve, that we're inviting three of our friends, family, and neighbors to join us for Christmas Eve because God loves them and his love is working in and through us and it's uncomfortable, but we're sacrificing comfort for the opportunity to love. 
Guys, and I need you to know, listen, just, just so you know, we've been challenging our church to invite three people to join us for Christmas Eve coming up. We have three different services. It's going to be amazing, but I'm leading the way. I'm doing my best. I'm praying with you, and my goal has been to invite at least 20, pe- 20 people, 20 people personally that I know that I have a relationship with. I'm inviting them to join me Christmas Eve for City Church. So, man, join in. Sacrifice comfort. I know it's hard. I know it's weird to try to invite someone to an in-person gathering in the middle of a pandemic. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. But you know what? Man, I want my neighbors to know I love them. And I want them to know, more importantly, that God loves them. And I'm going to sacrifice for them so they get the chance to hear it. John's point. If we, if we are chasing things out here, it might mean that we're lacking something in here. And God wants to fix that for us. But the second thing is that when we chase comfort, it eliminates our need for faith. It eliminates our need for faith. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This an entire chapter. Hebrews chapter 11 is an entire chapter of incredible people, incredibly normal people, who God used in amazing ways, and all of them made a decision to live by faith. Not a single story in Hebrews chapter 11 is connected to people living by comfort. Right? They, they had these huge burdens and these huge callings, and, and they lived their lives in such a way that if God didn't show up in their lives, they would have been helpless. Let me ask you a question. What part of your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, what part of your life right now are you helpless Right, like unless God intervenes right now, you are in some, there's just no hope. The challenge with that question is if you and I don't have an answer, if there's not an area in our lives where we can look and say, man, if God doesn't show up, there's no hope, then it it might reveal something about our pursuit of comfort next to our faith. It might reveal that our dreams and our ambitions are way too small and way too safe, that we're living inside of a comfort zone instead of in faith and relationship with God. But here's the deal. Here's here's what's amazing. God's love in us, like, like John was talking about, man, when it gets in us, it creates more discomfort than it does ease. Right? It's, it's impossible to please God without faith. That's what, that's what the author of Hebrews is telling us. And when you and I allow the love of the Father to fill our lives, it, man, we, we can't stay pursuing something as shallow as comfort to fill us. And, and here's the deal. The opposite is also true. Let me read you this, this uh, quote by D.A. Carson. This quote by D.A. Carson is, is a pretty heavy one, but this is the opposite when we choose not to live by faith. He says, hey, guys, people don't drift toward God. Comfort doesn't lead us toward sacrifice. We don't gravitate toward godliness or prayer or obedience or, 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 or to the scriptures or to faith or delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise. Isn't this true? It's true for me. Is it true for you? We drift toward compromise and we call it tolerance. We, we drift toward disobedience and we call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and we call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and we call it chillaxing. <laughs> we slouch toward a prayerlessness and then convince ourselves that we have been liberated. Here's what D.A. Carson is saying in a nutshell. You and I, 
we cannot pursue faith and comfort at the same time. We, we can't have them both because faith calls us to action and to sacrifice. And can I just commend you? Man, for our church, I'm grateful for you because you've made a decision to sacrifice all year long with your time, with your energy, with your resources. Man, we, we, we've done incredible things. We've done serve projects. We've, we've donated just incredible amounts of, of money and sacrifice to serve families in need during the COVID, COVID pandemic. Unrelated to holidays, we did it in May and we did it in March and we did it in August. And, and you guys did uh, food for families and you did Christmas for kids and we're just continually, sacrificially giving ourselves away. And I don't wanna say thank you for that, but it doesn't stop there. We gotta keep letting the Father heart of God get inside of us and fill us up because as he fills us, not only does it relinquish the pressure and the chase of comfort on the outside, but it fills, it with, fills us with the right kind of stuff. There's a stat that came out this week that shows that mental health across the United States has been failing in every category, in every social construct, except for those that are consistently engaging in a local religious community. You and I don't naturally drift toward a healthy place. We don't naturally drift toward a relationship with God. It's something we have to prioritize, it's something we have to cultivate, it's something we have to elevate in our hearts and our minds. Let me read you this last passage here in 2 Corinthians 1. In 2 Corinthians 1, uh, Paul us, encourages us with this. He says, blessed be the God, he's just saying God is awesome, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all what? Comfort. Who comforts us in all of our affliction, check this out, so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. See, man, the comfort that you're looking for is not out there. It's right here in a relationship with God. He says it doesn't just stop with you. It actually becomes about others. And with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God, we're able to give it to others. In verse 5, he says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, even though life can be hard as we follow Jesus, so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort too. There's a quote that says that God, uh, one, of, one of God's loudest microphones to the world is pain. God might not orchestrate it, but he's able to use it to get our attention. And God wants to meet us in that pain and meet us as a comforter. Here's the deal, guys. You and I, we don't, we don't need more comfort. We don't need more comfort, but rather we need more of the comforter. That's the invitation from Jesus, to have a relationship with him to fill those gaps, to relinquish the pursuit that never fulfills out here and to find it in Him. And in turn, as we find it in Him, we can't help but share it with others. And you know what people need right now? I'm sure you need it, because I know I need it. But you know what people who, who, who are, are in our city and in our world and in our, in our networks and in our relationships, what they really need right now? They need comfort. They need peace. Let me ask you a question. Where are they going to get it? Where are they going to get it? Paul tells us they're going to get it from you. That you and I are going to be so full of the love of God and so full of the comfort of God that then God actually comforts others through us. Let me give you some action steps. In what area 
is comfort robbing you of the opportunity to live by faith? What does that look like for you in this season? In what area is comfort robbing you of the opportunity to live by faith? Is, is there an area of spiritual emptiness that you've been trying to fill with the chase of comfort? Let me ask you a question. What would it look like to let Jesus be the center of your heart's desire this week? And lastly, how will you let God's love control you this week, like Paul said? And, and more specifically, who is, God, who, who is on God's heart that needs to be on your heart? Maybe God's putting some hearts and faces and names on your heart and mind right now that he wants you to reach out to, he wants you to engage, he wants you to love, he wants you to serve. And lastly, let me, let me invite you with this. I asked you earlier, is there a spiritual emptiness that you've been trying to fill? And maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and, and uh, you would maybe identify right now and you say, you know what, maybe I, maybe I have this spiritual emptiness that I've been trying to fill with other things. And maybe for the first time you're realizing that Jesus came to, to do exactly that. That the entire time that you've been chasing comfort to fill that emptiness, Jesus has been chasing you. And Jesus can do for you only what he can do. No one else can do it. No thing can do it. No place can do it. And Jesus can do for you what, what he did for me, and what he's done for thousands and millions of others. And that is save you and set you free and give you a peace that you can't find anywhere else. So maybe you're ready to take a next step in following Jesus. You can text the word follow to the number on the screen. We would love to help you take some next steps. And as you and I engage this week, as we move into one week closer to Christmas, let me just encourage you. Look for opportunities to love, to serve, to engage, and to invite. Elevate the three VIP conversation of the three very important people that God has put in your life that you're going to be inviting to join you for Christmas Eve at City Church. And look and listen for God's heart for others as you live your life this week. And let Him fill you in such a way that not only are you comforted, but you can comfort others. See you soon.